Welcome to New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We hope you're blessed by this week's message. Um, so Chris Dupre is here this morning, uh, guest speaker. He happened to be in town. Yeah, you can clap. Um, he was actually in town this week to surprise his brother, who is retiring after 30-plus years as a pastor uh, at church, and Mark Dupre, who retired uh, and had a party yesterday. And he was here to surprise him. So we couldn't announce it in advance because we didn't want to ruin the surprise. Um, but uh, Chris, actually, if you don't know who he is, uh, he was a, an associate pastor here you know, many decades ago. We'll just leave it there. Um, <laughs> I should know that he's going to get the mic next, you know, but he's got a chance to rebut this. Um, but anyway, so he was a pastor a while back, left here, went to Kansas City, founded IHOP, International House of Prayer, with Mike Bickle, was there for 10 years and has been, you know, pastor at Life Center and, you know, just he ministers all over the nation, really, to churches and to the body of Christ um, but we've always had a very unique connection with him here. And uh, we, our hearts have been connected for, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 years of him coming here every year and just coming back here, working with our leadership team. You know, he's big on the Father's heart. So that's something that we catch when, you're, when we're around him, is the love for each other. And for years, even as part of our own leadership team, you know, church leadership teams, a lot of times it's hard to believe it, but the people on the teams don't even get along. But they're there to fulfill roles, and they're there to fulfill functions, which it's almost hard to believe. But every year, uh, people would say to us, so what did you guys do at your leadership meeting when Chris came into town? And we say, well, Chris usually starts off with, goes around and checks everybody's hearts. How's your heart? How's your heart? How's your heart? Are you guys loving one another? Are you loving each other? Uh, and that was something I think that we've caught. So when people come in here, they say, you guys seem like you love each other here. There's a real family feel. And I think that's in large part, you know, just, Chris, due to your friendship with us, your ministry, your leadership in the house. So give him a nice hand of applause as he comes up. Yeah, thank God I wasn't able to hear that because I just way too old to hear every, everything you said. It's really great to be here with Scotty and his family. For those that don't know, I know those that do, it, you know, it's, you've heard it a hundred times, but I taught Steve in sixth grade, so that's, it's true. He was he was once short. <laughs> um, is there any way to get... Uh, lights are up. Wow. Can the lights go up even more so I can actually see people? Or is it just... <laughs> you're all there? Okay. Uh, if you're here this morning, raise your hand. Okay, good. A few of you didn't, so I don't know what that means. Um, first of the year... New year, new beginnings. If his mercies are new every morning, what's it like every year? You know, what, what awaits us in the mercy of God this year? What awaits us for 
the journey this year. How many are glad to put 2019 to rest? Yes. Um, I've heard some people just talk about 2019 as if they had been, you know, in, in some kind of uh, galug or something or some war uh, <laughs> um, uh, little cell and where they were abused for the entire 2019. <laughs> it, you know, how you look at life is how you will live life. And how you look at God is how you live, look at life. So if, if you're looking, if your prayers are, uh, if you're always looking for instant, you know, it's like there's now an instant pot. Ladies, gents, you know what an instant pot is? Okay, you get it, and what took hours is now just takes mere hour. <laughs> and, and suddenly, this thing that used to take three hours to make 45 minutes later, it's done. And, and some of us are, are, are like that in God, that we don't know how to marinate in him, that, that we want something instant. And if, I'll just say this, if, if, you're, if you're looking for an instant answer, if you're looking for instant change, if you're looking at instant blessing, then 2018, everyone was so glad when it was over with. I remember when everyone was really glad that 2015 was done. People were saying, I've got enough of that year. And then the next year was, thank God 2016 is over with. And thank God 2017 is over with. And now people are going, thank God we're in the 20s. We have a decade that we know what to call it. <laughs> Seriously, it's been 20 years. No one knows what to call the decades we're in. We're in the ones. We're in the teens. Yes, but it's 2012. Well, we're in the preteens. I don't, you know. <laughs> what are we? Um, so Steve's looking at me like, I hope he has something to actually say. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, I hope I do. Um, you know, I, I, I turned 65 this last year. When I came to this church, it was 19... Well, actually, I, I helped start the church that Gary moved from, from Brockport to here in 1976. I was the worship leader, and I led worship underneath a big elk's head because well, we, had, we had our church at the Elks Club. And I used to call the elk Lawrence W. Some of you that are older will get that. Those that are younger, Lawrence W. Elk? Lawrence Welk? Anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, Chris, that really hurt, didn't it? <laughs> yes. And, and so I, I think back and see how old I was single. I was 22. 22 years old, in, in 65, that, you know, you add those up and it's over 12 years. Um, that was a joke. Uh, it's, a, it's many, as Steve said, it's many decades. All I'll say is this, time goes so fast. It's a new year and people in uh, a year from now are going, thank God 2020's over with. Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to wait for something to be over with. I want to be who I'm supposed to be now. And we have a chance. We have a chance to catch that. We have a chance to catch the glimpse of that. Would you put up uh, that, that scripture for me? Um, Romans 8:19 says, "For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits. Other, uh, others say it groans." 
or manifestly groans for the revealing of the sons of God. Now, is it okay if I'm not PC today? Is that okay? Okay, it doesn't say daughters. That's not excluding half the population. Biblically, sons is, when it, when it speaks about sonship, it, it's not talking gender. It's talking position. Okay? So you're, you're positioned as a son. Otherwise, I have to spend the whole time saying sons and daughters, sons and daughters, sons and daughters. All I have is three daughters. I'm used to saying daughters. I don't know how to make boys. I only made girls. <laughs> Amen. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Our closest friends out in Kansas City, um, ah, the Merwins, those that remember the Merwins, love the Merwins. And, and uh, <clears throat> we had a daughter, they had a daughter. We had a daughter, they had a daughter. We had a daughter, they had a daughter. Then they had a daughter, then they had a daughter. And then she turned, got into her 40s, and they were convinced that, you know, they were done having kids. And then at 41, she found out that she wasn't done having kids. And suddenly, boom, there's daughter number six. <clears throat> um, we don't know <laughs> what we're pregnant with sometimes. I say that is that sometimes we're carrying something that we don't know, but we haven't come into sonship for it to be fulfilled. <clears throat> we've come into servanthood. Now, I love serving. My, I don't want to put down serving. But if you're here this morning, he's not first looking at you as a servant. He's looking at you in sonship and in friendship. And if you miss it, if you, if you advocate that and go into servanthood, you'll always be uh, waiting to fulfill something um, and looking and watching and, and hoping, and then when the year's over with, you'll say, thank God that year is over with. There's something that happens when a son takes his place, when sonship takes his place. Um, <clears throat> the last few years, uh, I've been watching um, some dear friends return to servant-heartedness. Now, that doesn't, again, that's, that sounds like it's a, it's a good thing. And it, in a sense, being a servant is, is just one of the most wonderful things. But when I'm a, a, a loved son, I'm a better servant. When I'm a loved son, I'm a better husband. When I'm a loved son, I'm a better friend. If I, if I just see myself as a servant, if you just see yourself as a soldier in the army, that becomes your identity. That's what you move out of. Uh, and the earnest expectation is for the manifestation of not the servants of God, but the sons of God and, and coming into something. <clears throat> um, I watched this past year a, a dear friend of mine go from pastoring a church where he was just, I mean, his message was love and grace, and it was just, it was sweet. And then he got out on the fringes and began to, to uh, uh, post uh, after a while, I couldn't follow him. He was posting out of an intellectual progression that he was in. Well, this particular scripture could mean this, and that means that. So God, it just went down a line. Uh, my last interaction with him online was that he's given up Christianity, and he doesn't even believe that Jesus existed. So what, what was the, f let me tell you, the first initial shift was watching him move from a son of God to being tired, okay? 
and then I'm going to work for God. When he shifted to work, when he shifted into a servant mentality, everything within him changed. It's as if you took yourself out of a family and you took yourself out of every, every meal the family may have, the inheritance the family may have, whatever it may be, you just removed yourself because you don't feel that you're family anymore. And that's what he did. He removed himself from the family. He took himself out of sonship, put himself into a, into a, mode, a, a mode where he was just exhausted. Now, <clears throat> blessed are those who hunger and thirst. So when we, when we get exhausted, when we get tired, when we get thirsty, God's saying, that's a real blessed moment. This year, some of you are going to come to a place where you're going to go, I'm, I'm really thirsty. I want something more of God. I'm really hungry. I want more. And the tendency is to relax and remove yourself until someone comes and fulfills what you need at that moment. But the reason why it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, is because thirst leads you to drink. And if you don't drink, you die. So you have a choice to drink of him or to, to start a slow death into something else. <coughs> um, thirst leads to drinking. Drinking leads to fullness, and fullness leads to life. Fullness leads to flow. Fullness leads to fulfillment, fulfillment of purpose. Um, you know, 2020. I mean, I already I, I told a friend of mine who's this well-known prophetic guy, I just said, do you know that this year is going to lead to all these words about seeing better? Does everybody understand that? Okay, you know what? Listen to him. Don't, don't, don't take it lightly. God does things with years. And, and I don't have some prophetic word right now about seeing better, uh, except for your place as a son. That's really important. That defines how you live your life. Your viewpoint of you as a son, yes, daughter, your viewpoint of, of that he's my, he's my Abba Father or I serve the Lord. I remember years ago, this is, you know, I serve the Lord. You know. Well, how did that song go? Um, I saw the Lord. Yeah, I saw the Lord. He's high and lifted. And then the, another verse, someone said, I serve the Lord. And, you know, other songs were, were soldiers of the army. And I just remember back in the early 70s, it put me into this mode that, that yeah, I know he's the father, but I, I, I'm, I'm a servant. And, and that's, that was the mode I had for years and years until God literally came face to face with me and changed my mind. We need that. Let me, let me just share a couple of things. Sons build houses. Servants stay within them and maintain them. Again, please hear me. If someone says, why, you have a wonderful servant heart, that's a compliment. Right. Do you understand what I'm saying, what I'm saying, son and servant, and the difference between the two? Okay, when I'm talking about servant here, I'm talking about someone who's abdicated their role in the family and, and don't see God as father. They see him as the taskmaster and the leader of their life. And so they have, they have to follow him because he is truth. Now, I understand that. I love truth. But I don't just follow him because he's truth. I follow him because he's life. Everything about him is life and love. Sons give to the work. Servants take from the work. 
Sons are family-oriented. Servants are issue-oriented. Sons use inclusive language such as we and us. Servants use individual terms such as they and them. That's a big thing. Watch the language of how you speak about people here in this church. Watch the language of how you speak about the body of Christ in general. If you start using they, well, them, and, you know, as opposed to we. You know, you, the, the one thing that we can start off, you know, in, in a year is, is to stop and, and just stop and look. How do I verbally treat my brothers and sisters that I'm here every week? And I give a big hug, and I hug, and I tell them I love them on Sunday morning, and on Tuesday I talk about them behind their back. That's, that's not being a son. That's not sonship. Am I okay here, Steve? Yeah. Okay. Everybody okay? Yeah. I love you. <laughs> How's your heart? <laughs> I should have just said, hey, I'm going to go somewhere and I'm going to politely yell at you, but that, I didn't think I'd start that way. So pretend I never said what I just said. Sons honor headship. And sons cover weakness. Servants uh, inwardly oppose headship, though they don't let people know that. And they expose and talk about weakness. Sons share lives with family. Servants go off and become independent and internally angry. Sons bond new people to the church. Servants bond people to themselves. There's a huge one right there. Wow. Sons can handle correction. Servants deflect and take the blame and place it on others. Sons allow you to develop their potential. Servants give off the appearance of already being fully grown. Wow. Think about that. In, in, uh, in Luke 15, we have two sons, and I've... I've talked about Luke 15 here a couple times, and I, I, just, I just love it. <clears throat> what, are the, what are the two expressions that we have? We have the, the younger brother who takes his money and goes away, and he, he wastes it all in debauchery and, and, and gambling and women and this and that, and, and suddenly he has, he has nothing left. And then we have the older brother, and Scripture says he divided to them his, in, his inheritance. So the older brother, <coughs> he actually got the inheritance. Well, what's the older brother's inheritance? Everything. He owns it all. He still doesn't know it. And, and later on in, in Scripture, uh, in that chapter, the older brother hears, hears the, the revelry and the party, and he's like, what is going on? He says, oh, your brother's home, and, and they're having a party because he, he's, he's come back. And it's like, what? And then the father comes out to talk to him, and he's, he's pleading with him. Now, I, I, on one level, it's a story. On, another, on the second level, he's pleading with the Pharisees. Jesus is pleading with the Pharisees to understand the depths of God's love. When he pleads with his older brother, he's pleading to the Pharisaical spirit, inviting the Pharisaical spirit into the new covenant. But they don't get it. He doesn't get it. And the son says something that just boggles my mind. He says, lo, these many years I have been serving you. Wow. He spent his entire life in his father's house, never seeing himself in sonship, but always seeing himself as a servant. 
Lo, these many years I've served you. I just want to ask you, just to ask yourself that question. When you come into this building, when you come, in, not just in this building, in life itself, do you see yourself out of a love relationship of sonship, or do you first see yourself as a servant of God who has to obey something? I don't need to obey anything to be loved. That doesn't mean I just go out and do what I want. That, that hurts me. That hurts those that I love. So I don't. Uh, but it's the criteria of being loved this has, was established long before I had the ability to do something wrong. And so this older brother goes, all these many years I've, I've served you. And it's like, you don't understand. I've given you everything. Everything is yours. It always has been. But you just never saw yourself this way. Therefore, you never enter into what you were supposed to have. If you don't see yourself as a son, you will not enter into aspects of life that you long for. Year after year, we long for things. And we think if we just are obedient enough, if, we just, if I stop doing that, if I start doing this, and suddenly we tie, we tie to our promise our ability to be 100% faithful. And we think that's what it is. Well, it's, it's the most... Rest, I was just <coughs> in Kansas City. Had all my, my uh, daughters, we had three of them there, two of them have ch children, six ki or three kids each. And... They all, at one point, without me saying and doing anything, without me dangling a cookie, they all came over and sat in my lap, put their arms around me and kissed me. Why? Because they're comfortable on, on Papa's lap. That they know who they are. They don't, they don't have to do something. Now, Papa, if I come into the room and I'm quiet, and if I bring you a seltzer, would you hug me? And some of us are like that. Some of us... We, we, we take this servant mentality, and I, be, be a servant your whole life, but embrace sonship. In, but to embrace sonship is to embrace the understanding of who the Father is. But you go back in Luke, Luke 15, <clears throat> when, when the, the younger son finally gets to the end, he's, what does he say? I'm going to go back and be what? A servant. Religion? Lo, I've served you these many years, produces servanthood. Okay? Shame produces servanthood. The younger brother, he's in shame. He doesn't see himself as worthy to be a son. He again abdicates his sonship and decides to become a servant. No. God's just waiting for you to, to wake up, not to come back to be a son, to wake up that you are a son. Okay? And he comes to his father, and on the way to his dad, okay, I'll go back to my father. I'll say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Father, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your servants. I know I shared this here a few years back, but he's, he's saying, says those three things. I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am not worthy to be your son. Make me like one of your servants. And when you get to the scripture, when he fi finally gets in front of his father, the father runs to him. We know the story. Uh, the only time a man ran was when he was going to war. He had to gird up his loins. And I am sure that that son thought he was going to be killed. But he stands, I'm going to stand here and die in my father's presence and then go back there. 
but the father doesn't come and kill him. He comes and lavishes him with kisses all over. Why? Well, what does a kiss mean? Well, I don't kiss strangers, okay? But boy, do I kiss my family. Boy, do my grandkids know. Sometimes it's too much. Papa, stop it. Okay, I won't kiss you anymore. Oh, no, 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 I want you to kiss me. You know, they, they want the kisses. And after the kisses, the son goes, okay, wait, wait, wait. <clears throat> I've sinned against heaven, I've sinned against you. And the father's like, absolutely. Or Rocky would say, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, I have no clue where that came from. <laughs> Number two. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And what's the third thing he was going to say? Make me like one of your servants? So he gets out, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father cuts him off. He hears that. It's like, shut up. And then he says, kill the fatted calf. Bring this, bring that, bring that. I'm, I'm reestablishing what is already a reality. That you're my son. The second you went to I'm no longer worthy to be your son. What does your worth have to do with it? I know I said here, here before, it's like I said, I, you know, I've got three daughters. <clears throat> you, you didn't son yourself. I sunned you. Right? And, and, and we all know who, who, who picks the gender, the mother or the father? The father. The father picks the gender. I, I created your sonship. You can't unson yourself. The second you thought you were, you had to be, I had to tell you to shut up. And so I, I literally, I asked the Holy Spirit to come to each of you in moments when you unson or undaughter yourself, and the Holy Spirit will prick your heart at that moment and remind you of your place as a son and daughter. Oh. I love David. I could read about David all day long. He's a doofus, and he's great. He makes mistakes, but he keeps going. Why does he keep going? What is it about David where he keeps going? Yeah, he was a man after God's own heart. I love that. Um, and in, in uh, 1 Samuel uh, 17, when, when David and Goliath come together, I know either the last time or the time before that, I, I spoke about the five smooth stones. This is not that. I've just been reading more and going in and got, got some other nuggets for me that had to do with sonship. What's the Why could David stand there and defeat this, this monstrous man when the whole army was there and they couldn't, couldn't defeat him? <coughs> David gets in there. <coughs> and he had a vision of victory amidst a forecast of failure. Sons see victory when others see failure. Sons see potential when others see uh, uh, absolute doors shut. One of my grandkids said, hey, Papa, how can you walk through a wall into another room? I go, I don't know. He said, a door. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> it's, it's, it's brilliant. Uh, so 
the ability to pass from one place to another, the ability to see something when others don't see the same thing. Um, <clears throat> you know, David, David hears this, uh, I will give my daughter, my beautiful daughter, to the one who can defeat this. And they're looking and going, she's beautiful, but it's not worth, not worth dad. And David goes, well, dang, it is to me. <laughs> you know, he's going, I'm going to go for it. And, and so he does. <clears throat> um, he, as, as, as a servant, you're looking, usually, you're looking for the easiest way to, to keep something stable so there's no confrontation or war. A servant's, oh, you know, I'm polishing this, I'm keeping this going. And a servant is, is somebody who's usually extremely busy all the time, keeping something and maintaining something, whereas the son come along and he'll wreak havoc over the whole thing because he wants to see God do something mighty and incredible. I don't want to maintain in 2020. I want to maintain, I want to be smart. I want to have, have wisdom. Like wisdom is, people that live without wisdom are just foolish. <laughs> I want wisdom in how I walk, but I want, I want David's heart of sonship where he just knew, I'm a son. Wherever I go, my father goes, I, I, and that's, that's what he carried. He carried something so totally different that everybody else was a servant, and he was a son, and they couldn't understand why he had the authority and the, the anointing he had was because he walked as a son. A son, be careful who speaks into your life before you go into battle. When something is in front of you, a son ignores those that have nothing, well, like the brothers. You can't go. You're too young. Okay, you're too old. You're too this, you're too that, you're not experienced, you're not the... You know, there, again, wisdom carries the day. But when God's spoken to you and you're moving forward in the gifting God has for you, be careful of the voices around you. A son will hear a father's voice and move forward. Servants will, oh, yeah, that's really right. Let me be a little bit more temperate in how I approach this. As I get older, I just, you know, I, I don't have the time I had when I was younger to screw around. I just, it's, it's not there. 30 years went by, I went, what the heck just happened? I was 35, now I'm 65. How did that happen? And it only took two years. <laughs> Speaking of, my lovely sister has a birthday on Tuesday. 37. <laughs> Here's the problem with... <laughs> I don't know what that was, but I, was, I want to hear it later. <clears throat> um, see, when a son hurt a father, he won't allow others to undress uh, them of their confidence and cover them with their unbelief. Say that again. Sonship is able to hear the negativity of others around them and not respond to it and allow them to uh, undress you of your confidence and cover you with their unbelief. I, I don't, you know, I wrote a song some years ago about dreamers 
And dreamers are a funny lot, misunderstood by those always looking for some future day. But you have to do that if you're going to be a dreamer. Otherwise, your dream just fades away. And then the line is, just don't let those whose dreams have died steal yours away. <clears throat> Sometimes the loudest voices around you are those that, that abdicated sonship, went into serving, and went into just maintaining a life in the church, and they don't want anyone else to excel because it makes them feel good for being mediocre. Now, this, boy, I, I, if you can catch my heart, mediocre does not mean someone who, uh, you know, there hasn't been much activity going on or life has been hard. Or, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you know God's put something in your heart, but you've allowed others to talk you down. You've allowed others to remove your confidence. And you decided you're going to settle for something lesser than you know God has for you. That's what I'm talking about. I have just, some people think that I'm here, there, and everywhere and doing this and that. I have a very mundane life. I have a chair. Next to my chair is a table. On that table goes seltzer. On that table goes the remote. <laughs> Near me is a couch that my wife sits at, puts her little computer out or talks to somebody on the phone or what, and we, we talk and we watch and watch fun movies and listen and play with the dog, and that's, then we'd say, well, that's kind of mediocre. It is. But all the different things that he's called me to, I, I don't want to settle. I don't want to sit in a chair when I'm supposed to be up and, and running with what God has. And in this new year, I, I'm not talking about some crazy diet. I'm talking about the revelation of sonship. Yes. That's, that's what I'm it, That in and of itself Will, will energize and change and envision you more than anything I know. When I step out of just being a servant of the Lord, of just having to do something out of obligation, when I step out of that into sonship, when I know I'm loved and I'm called to adventure, that's what David was. He, he understood God more than any, anyone else. <clears throat> the man, a man after God's own heart does not mean running after. I used to think it meant running after. It doesn't mean running after. It means like the, a wedding. This is where the, where I where I got it from. I was at a wedding years ago, and the groom uh, uh, next to him was his father, and because he had his father as the best man, and they had some brothers, and it was like, you look exactly like everybody. I mean, it was it was like a old ditto copy machines. You know, it's just like he looks like that. He looks like. And so this old lady in front of me goes. Uh, you certainly do take after your father. Oh, and you take after your father. And you take after your father. And I'm listening to this old lady go, you take after, you take after. And I went back and I go, wow, a man after God's own heart. I used to think it was running. So I thought, well, I'm a good runner. I'll, I'll run after. It's not running after God. It's taking after God. That's the difference in David. He didn't have to run after God. He already had him because he took after God. That's why God could trust him with the tabernacle of David. Because only would God put his presence down in a place where someone was already taking after God. The presence of God is out of revelation. It's not out of activity. Two minutes, Steve. I'm going to do this. <laughs> Don't allow the size of your battle to change the way God's used you to fight. However he's used you to fight and win, 
If the battle looks bigger, don't change the way you know to fight. Keep fighting the way that you know to fight. Oh, but it's really big. You know, then keep fighting the way you know to fight. David didn't change the How did he know to fight? A lion came, killed him with a sling. Bear came, killed him with a sling. There's a giant. Well, I better put some other stuff on because they're telling me, no. How do you know how to fight? Fight the way you know to fight. <clears throat> and here's the last thing. He ran at Goliath. What an idiotic thing to do. <laughs> he faces opposition. He knew his weapon was not just the stones because he cried out, I come to you in the name of the Lord. Amen. Why? Because he's with me everywhere I go. Against the giant? Absolutely. Why? Because I'm his son. And God wants to show off. Do you ever see that many servants show off the beauty of an estate? Or is it the sons and daughters? It's the sons and daughters. It's a new year. So I, Steve, I'm not even getting to this page. How do you like that? that this page is worth everything. <laughs> yeah, that's what they say. Uh, I am. I'm going for the end right here. Good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I want you to close your eyes for a second. You can just set your hand on your heart. I know it's, it sounds like a trite thing. It's not. Because it focuses our hearts. <clears throat> when I say God's looking for sons and daughters, I'm not saying that he's, he can't find them. He's looking for people to know who they are. And God has creation groaning, groaning for men and women to come into sonship and to not, to step out of duty, to step out of that which, the expression that they see themselves in and into the expression that they can see how God sees them in. So Lord, I ask for a divine exchange of insight of not how that we can present ourselves before you, but how you already see us. That we would embrace it. That here in this first month of the year, there'd be an exchange from servanthood to sonship. And in so doing, we would leave aside those things that hinder us from being wild in your affection. Oh, how many things could be fulfilled in this number of people that are in this room? How many things could be fulfilled if we entered into sonship this year? Oh, I can't even imagine. And so, Lord, I ask that to happen. I ask that the pettiness between servants, who serves the best, who does the most, who looks the nicest, Lord, let the pettiness of the servant heart slip away. And let the beauty of sonship come through in every heart. I ask for a revival of sonship in this congregation, in this family who calls you Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this week's message. Pray that you experience God's presence and encouragement, grow in a healthy community, and influence your world. For more information, 
contact newhopecom.org.